Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is my hilarious and very talented friend, Caitlin Cook. Caitlin is a comedian. Uh, specifically, she does musical comedy. It's excellent. Uh, she just had a big show at Edinburgh, and uh, she will again next year. So if you are listening from overseas, you've got to check her out next year. And uh, this was really fun. I think you'll enjoy it. Here you go. Hey, Caitlin. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm sleepy and jet lagged and good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see you. It's so crazy. We just saw each other in Edinburgh last week. I know. It was so nice. Uh, it's always nice when people pop up towards the end and I'm like, oh, good. A breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to, I mean, I do make a really, I make an effort to connect with people that I don't already know, mm-hmm. but it is nice to run into people you know. Yeah. Of course, especially overseas. There's something that feels really exciting about it. Like, look at how cosmopolitan I am. My friends are just everywhere. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely feels uh, I love it. So you grew up in Los Angeles, right? Right? Yes. Right by me. I grew right up by where I live. in between the Beverly Center and the Grove in a neighborhood that's, I guess, now called Beverly Grove. But at the time, it didn't really have a name. We just called it like South of West Hollywood. I feel like realtors do that because they're like, well, if we call it something cute, we can charge you so much more money. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I grew up. um, It was great for me because like as a teenager, I got to like walk to the malls and you can't really walk in L.A. Yeah. Um, So my neighborhood's very walkable. Yeah. It is a really walkable little chunk. I love it. Um, You're an only child. Yeah. No, no, no. I have an older brother. Oh, wow. If he's listening, she has never mentioned you. Um, I'm kidding. You probably have, and I forget. (laughs) That's all right. He he and my parents came to the show at the Punchline last night. I'm in San Francisco right now. Oh, that's uh, so sweet. (laughs) I did this song about licking pussy. And then I was like, good thing that my family's in the audience. And then I was like, what if this was when I came out to all of you? (laughs) Uh, It was very silly. That's really funny. um, yeah, he's great. Um, he's like 18 months older than me, and we don't really have any cousins, so like we're very close. Oh, such a tiny little family. Yeah. I've lost track. I legitimately don't know a lot of my cousins and some of my niece and nephew's names. There's too oh, many. Wow. There's That's too so many. Wild. Yeah, uh, Polish Catholics on one side, Irish Catholics on the other side, and, you know, just... Uh, Fucking like crazy. Don't understand the concept of a condom. <laughs> you know? That's so funny. Yeah, my parents um, both have two older siblings each, and like none of them had kids. So it's just me and my bro. Just so, just so tiny yeah. and quaint. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. It's a lot it's easier. Good. It is um, a lot easier. Yeah. When you were growing up, did you know you wanted to be a comedian? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, no, I like. It's so funny growing up in LA and like growing up as a woman. You sort of realize early on that like your currency is not gonna be like people like people growing up in LA like my friends were becoming models and like actresses that is such a fucked up thing it's super weird like I had my my friend Abby was like plastered all over American Apparel and like people were like starring in movies and like I even just I went to a massive public school in LA but my best friend went to like the premier prep Harvard Harvard West Mm -hmm. like the premier um high school and so like I would go to parties with her and just be like like there's Oscars and Grammys everywhere this is so weird but I sort of knew early on I was like okay my currency is not going to be that so I'm going to be smart and 
I thought I was funny, but no one got my sense of humor. I was like <laughs> very, very deadpan and sarcastic. Uh-huh. So like I didn't, no one got my sense of humor until I studied abroad in the UK. And I was like, oh, people get it here. Yeah. Um, and then I started when I was in the UK, I was studying abroad in London. And I was studying abroad, like at a school that like, I was a foreign exchange student. I wasn't with like a group of other Americans mm-hmm. and they only had class once a week. So like I had a lot of trouble making friends because like the UK can be a little bit cold and I was only seeing yeah. these people once a week. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to like explore the city on my own. And I started going to this comedy club all the time and just like watching comedy. I was always a big comedy, which comedy nerd, club. But I, it was Angel Comedy, which now owns the Bill oh, Murray. Yeah. yeah. So I started going there all the time and, um, yeah, I always like loved stand up and loved comedy, but like I guess there wasn't quite enough female representation or like I just didn't think it was something I could possibly do. Um and I had like debilitating stage fright for a long time. Oof. Um but I like I started yeah, just becoming a fan and then at some point um started writing down my own stories and being like maybe I shouldn't do this on stage. Um but I it was more like I more got into it through music, actually, because um, I was I always I've always written songs like um, since I was like four or five years old. I've always written songs um, and I would write like funnier songs. And I started to notice when I was performing that like my funny songs, people would like, especially if I was performing at a bar where people were just sort of talking mm-hmm. over the music. If I was singing the funnier songs, they would be like, wait, what is she like? They would just pay attention more. Yeah, because they're um, like, so I, hold on a second. I think she said yeah. something outrageous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not just like a lyric about love. It's like, wait, she said the word douchebag. Like, what happened? <laughs> um, so I started to pick up on that. And then, um, yeah, and then I sort of had this life code for a long time that if something scares me, I have to do it. And yeah, same. I was, yeah, it's like, it's so exhilarating and terrifying to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. But I think mm-hmm. like, humans in general are just like we want to feel comfortable and i think that like yeah that limits us from growing so well, yeah I, and i think the older you get too the more fearful you get of everything and then it's like yes. one i mean watching my family like one day you wake up in your 60 and you're like i can't leave the town everything's terrifying right? and it's like no i don't want that life <laughs> exactly exactly so like you know, backpacking alone through Southeast mm-hmm. Asia is something I did. And like, um, just like going up to someone and being like, hey, you're cute. Like, want to make out like anything that's terrifying, oh my God. I won't do. <laughs> that I can't do unless I've had a couple drinks. <laughs> and then I something. do it too much and it's actually assault. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I basically like, I think I had told a couple friends about that sort of code of being afraid to... Uh, doing things I was afraid of and then also telling them I was afraid of I had debilitating stage fright I was afraid of doing comedy and um and one of them was like I dare you to do an open mic then (laughs) and I was like okay so I went (laughs) and like my voice was shaking so much that I had like a weird vibrato because like my whole body was like quivering oh my god and this was overseas Um, no this was in Chicago yeah so I moved to Chicago after college and that's where mm-hmm. I like started going to even even more stand up. I would just like I was doing Teach for America. Teaching was very depressing and I would just go Wait, to comedy. What's Teach shows for America? It's, Is it uh, just teach them how to use a gun or <laughs> <laughs> uh yes. Um no, it it's like a program where they take I have like a lot of jokes about this on stage, but basically they take 
um, college graduates who like didn't study education, um, but they did study something like crucial and important to society, like artisanal mm-hmm. tree climbing or gluten free hip hop. That's <laughs> that's why I say I'm saying gluten free But they basically like take these 22 year olds who have no life experience and they put them into like under resourced and like overcrowded classrooms all across the country, okay. and then they're like, hey. Why don't you fix the American education system? It's a very weird program. Yeah, they're like, um, it's not working with underpaying teachers. So we're going to yes. do this with uh, 22-year-olds just for who an are experiment. Just, like, happy to have any kind of salary <laughs> or any kind of job straight out of college. So yeah. <laughs> I, like, I lucked out. I was in the Chicago public school system, which had, like, you know, um, like a whole union and everything. So I was, like, getting paid decent, and I was teaching mm-hmm. preschool, which is very cute. But I knew I didn't want to be a teacher long term, and I was, like, just like sad leaving college. And so I would just go to comedy shows at night all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and then I started, I like finally bit the bullet and did my first open mic at Gallery Cabaret in Chicago. And um, I was shaking so much and it was so terrifying. And then I was like, cool, well, I have to do this every single night this week and for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. I can't believe it, the nerve. Cause I was really, I was terrified the first time and then I did it mm-hmm. and I was like, God, that was exhilarating. I want to do it again in six months. Oh my God. No, I did. I, I did an open mic every single night that week. I was like, that was so scary and so fun. And I probably didn't do very well, but I was like, if I'm going to stop this like body shaking thing, I need mm-hmm. to just like get up regularly. So yeah, so I got up every night there and then I moved to New York for like four months before I moved back to the UK. Um, Wait, how long, how long did you live in the UK? Just so for college I, or for I grad studied, school? No, I studied abroad in my junior year in London. And then I did grad school um, two years after college at Oxford. I love so I was that. There for I'm very year. jealous of that. And then you, where in London did you live? The So I lived in London. I lived in Chelsea initially. No, in Kensington. And then I didn't like my dorm mates or my dorm at all. And so I moved in with a family and became an au pair in Belsize Park. Oh, yeah. That sounds really intense. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun, actually. I still keep in oh, touch good. with them. Sometimes they'll like That's come to really my shows. Sweet. Um, yeah, they're they're they were really lovely. So that is really sweet. And then, yeah. what made you pick Chicago? By the way, out of I mean, since you'd already been from a major city. Yeah, honestly, it was Teach for America. They they place you um, in different oh. cities, and so I had like applied to it because my brother did it too, and I had applied mm-hmm. to it being like I probably won't end up doing this unless they give me like a good. They they also like just give you an age range to teach too so like they gave me chicago and preschool and i was like oh actually that sounds okay i'll do that you kind of do have uh preschool teacher vibes and i mean that in the best way possible just like super yeah. sweet <laughs> and uh non-threatening you know i want to be threatening like if you were to hit the kids i wouldn't believe if the kids were like caitlin hit me i'd be like no she didn't <laughs> couldn't be I was talking to some guy um, after the show yesterday who was like, I used to, I'm a preschool teacher too. And I was like, oh, how do you find it? And he was like, it's great. I'm at a better program now. They don't come into my classroom. They let me do whatever I want. And I was like, something about the phrasing of that is so creepy. Yeah, that like, doesn't sound come right. come into your classroom and make sure everything's okay. Yeah. But, um, uh, strange but yeah. choice of words, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> and how long were you in Chicago then? Two years. Gosh, that's quick. Does that did that feel crazy to move after that amount of time, or was it easier because you hadn't been no, there? No, I so I really liked Chicago. It was a good like starter city straight out of college because I knew I didn't want to move back to LA. Um, mm-hmm. But it also like by the time I finished 
the Teach for America program is two years. So I finished that program and I was like, I'm ready mm-hmm. to be done with this program. I'm ready to like go someplace new. Um, at that point I was going to Oxford to do grad school and I was like, I'm ready to go back to the UK. And um, I don't know, it was interesting. Cause like by that point I was performing enough that like I probably shouldn't have gone to grad school. I probably should have just like moved to New York or like moved or stayed in Chicago and done more comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I thought, um, I thought I was going to go into academics. So I like went to Oxford and got my master's in underwater archaeology of all things. Which is (laughs) wild because first of all, what absolute kismet that you ended up in Chicago, which is such a comedy city. So good. Also, underwater underwater archaeology which there's no water left so that doesn't really exist anymore um, <laughs> unfortunately but it's funny because i feel like underwater is just what you add to the beginning of a degree if you want to make fun of it yes <laughs> like, <laughs> but that so is a real true. thing there is a lot of shit under the water yes, <laughs> that's the dumbest way i could possibly put it there's a lot of shit un- no but that's like what that is what it is it's like shipwrecks and like things that humans yeah. have like left and wait did you get to dive and- shipwrecks and things like that then mm-hmm. yeah oh that's incredible yeah. where did you do it um i did some like on the coast of england uh and my professor was doing a dig dive in like haifa off the coast of egypt which i was Ooh. supposed to do but i didn't end up doing that because um I didn't end up getting my PhD, which they wanted me to. Um, by that point, I was like, at by that point, I was I was like thinking about doing my PhD and like staying in academics. And then I was looking around at my colleagues, being like, "Okay, all of you are spending all of your free time in the library and going to lectures, and I'm spending mm-hmm. all of my free time going to open mics and telling dick jokes. I'm like, I should probably look at what my priorities are saying about what I want to yeah. do in my life." So then I ended up moving back to New York, but I did, I did a lot of really fun dives um, in Cambodia and like, and Thailand and stuff. Yeah. I would imagine also, I mean, I guess this could be true anywhere, but it seems like more so there than like, let's say off the coast of Florida, you Mm -hmm. would be, cause I got, I say that cause I got the chance to dive a couple shipwrecks off the coast of Florida and it's like, I don't know, this is somebody's boat. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm sure in like Cambodia and other places like that, they're like, this is, <laughs> these people were colonizers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more um, uh, historical. And I think maybe probably interesting in that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, there are a couple programs in the US that are like in underwater archaeology but for the most part they're like connected to the navy and like they're in like off the coast of like texas or the carolinas and i was like i'm not really interested in living in either of those places right now and i don't really want to be associated with like the armed forces and like no thank you yeah so yeah for sure oh how long so after you finished your after you finished grad school did you come back to la from there no, I moved back to New York. Um, so I was living in New York for like the four months after Teach for America ended before Oxford started. And I hated it. I like, hated New I was, York? Yeah. It, like I moved there thinking like, oh, you know, like I'm staying with friends. I have free places to stay. I have time to kill. Mm-hmm. I'm performing. And it, I just like, I hated how hot it was, how dirty it was, <laughs> and like how 
much I was still dealing with stage fright and trying to get over that and going to all these open mics and waiting for hours to get up on stage and then like Mm -hmm. still shaking on stage and then like getting off stage and then going to hang out with my friends that were like passed at all the clubs and being like, okay, well, what am I doing? Um, And then I moved to Oxford and I missed New York. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like I thought I hated this place. And I ended up like <laughs> moving such back. such an abusive relationship. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Stockholm syndrome for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I moved back and I was like, oh no, I think, I think it just like, there's the adjustment to living in New York takes a while. Yeah. Um, but I moved back and I fell in love with it. And now I like have a little place of my own in Brooklyn. And like, I don't want to live anywhere else ever. Like I love traveling so much. I could live somewhere for like it. a writing job or like, you know, for a couple months, but New York is my permanent home. New York is also the best place in the United States. If you like to travel because yeah. every fucking flight from mm-hmm. everywhere goes in and out of there. And it's, I mean, California is great if you're bopping over to Hawaii a bunch and that's about yeah. it. Otherwise, everything is so much more expensive. So, Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so jealous that it's like a five-hour flight for you to go to London. Because I'm like, I would just be there all the time. Because it's, what is it, $200? Come on. It's, (laughs) I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. I've definitely, like, flights are crazy right now. But I've definitely found flights to London for, like, three or 400. Like, uh, the exact same Mm -hmm. amount that I would fly to LA for. And it's nice for me because it's like my family's still in LA. My brother's in in the Bay Area where I am right now, and mm-hmm. um, and like it's hard to be that far from them. But it's also like I like coming home to California. I like being close to Europe. I like being in New York. Like it just it just yeah. works for me. So that's yeah, that's the ideal ideal spot. So when totally. you we I ran into you at Edinburgh and you were doing your show there. Mm-hmm. This is was that your fifth Edinburgh? Fringe? It was my it was my fourth fringe, but only my second one doing like the hour every day. The first time I went, I was visiting oh. um, Sean at uh, in 2017, and he was doing the Pleasants. And mm-hmm. I like ha- I had heard about the fringe, but I'd never Sean Patton been I there. Yeah, Sean Patton. Yeah, um, and I like came to visit, and I was like, oh, this is incredible, and this is like mm-hmm. what I need to be doing, especially because at the time I was really struggling with like. Um, feeling like I needed to fit in inside a box, like I needed to like either do stand up and leave my guitar at home, or I needed to do music and stuff with the jokes, or like I just was mm-hmm. having trouble like carving out my own path. And then I went to Fringe, and I was like, oh, everyone's like carving their own paths here. Like everyone is yeah. finding their own niche, and like this is really cool. This is where I need to to be. And so in 2018, I. Uh, wasn't quite ready ready with my show but i can't like like you did i came to just like do some late night spots and scope out venues and like talk to people um and i i ended up staying with barry ferns who's the owner of the bill murray and angel comedy like oh wow from from like way back when when i first started going to to comedy shows in london like became friends with him he was like the first mc at the first show i ever went to in london and then randomly years later I became really good friends with him Mm -hmm. um so then I was just scoping out the fringe and then in 2019 I brought my first show and then I wrote my the show I did this year for 2020 but obviously the world ended so it took two years to bring it (laughs) yeah I mean that must have been so frustrating or did you was there any part of you that was like well I have a little extra time to work on this fuck it um yeah I mean it was interesting because I wrote it at this theater in Athens, Georgia, I was doing a residency at this theater. 
and I did it once uh, in March, like, 14th, 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the world ended and I flew back home. And I couldn't really work on it much over the pandemic. Like, I, I did a lot of, like, creative work. I, I did a, this whole project where I wrote a song a day and made it 250 oh, days. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, I did, like, I did a lot of creative things. What did you do with that? Um, I posted everything on, on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and, like, gained a pretty big following on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, which has like since slightly depleted because I got really burnt out after posting every day for 250 I can't days. Imagine, yeah, that's yeah. too many. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, but yeah, I basically took the best of those 250 and I made a studio album of those songs. And then um, I, some of them work well on stage. Some of them, like I think, work better in 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 part of an album, oh, um, which is interesting to like try and figure that out too. Um, but yeah, the show that I did in Edinburgh, because it's like heavily influenced by clown stuff and like, mm-hmm. I was trying to do things that scared me and what scared me was like crowd work and talking to the audience. Oh, so a lot of the show is like, um, stuff that I like couldn't really do in the pandemic. So I sort of put it on hiatus. Um, but just for the listeners, the show is, it's set in a dive bar bathroom and mm-hmm. all of the songs in the show, all of the lyrics are from bathroom style graffiti I've been photographing for over the years. So um, I sort of treat it's the audience so like funny. we're I treat the audience like we're women bonding in a bathroom, and like it's it's very fun. And like I got over that that fear of talking to the audience now, and uh-huh. like it was a really good um, exercise for me. I'm still really proud of the show. I'm gonna do I'm gonna tour it a little bit more in the U.S. and then probably film it somewhere. But oh, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh wait, yeah, you're coming out to LA. Are you you're and you're running it in LA? I assume. I mean, this will probably air after that. Oh, yeah. I needed to take a break from it, and also like weirdly, this show, my last show, I could do everything on my own. Um, This show, I need a tech, so I like can't do it alone. Um, Usually, my writing partner and um, he was directing my show, AJ Holmes, uh, is running my tech. so uh i can only kind of do it with him or i need to train somebody and like i'm it's so specific the comedic timing of like because the graffiti is shown behind me on like a projector as Mm -hmm. i'm singing it and so if they get the timing wrong the joke is ruined yeah so i'm i I have like a lot of like control issues letting that go that would make me so so nervous with with needing tech because it's like well i don't I used to I used to tech direct shows at Second City out here, mm-hmm. which was so fun. And like, I feel like I was mostly I, I was really good at hitting all the things. But there yeah. was a couple of times where when I didn't have to be as plugged in where I'm just like when they're like, yeah, just do lights out on a hard joke around 45 yeah. minutes or whatever. I'm like, got it. And then I'd get so wrapped up in the show. There was there was one time I was doing this group and it was like big, big Second City people. Yeah. And I was just so enthralled with the show and mm-hmm. they kept like finding out and I'm just into it. And at some point yeah. they were like, uh, and scene, that's the show. And I was like, fuck, I was supposed to do that. Oh no. <laughs> it's like, that's oh, so funny. No. <laughs> that's uh, the sign yeah, of a good show though, where you're so yeah. wrapped up into it. You forget. <laughs> I'm just fact. so into it. I'm like, yeah. no, you, I, you must keep going. I won't yeah. turn the lights off. That's you're so trapped funny. in this room. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I ran tech good. for, I directed AJ's show and ran mm-hmm. tech for him at Soho Playhouse in the fall. And so we, we did a little swap this time where he's doing the same thing for me. 
Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I have such um, like issues letting that part go where mm-hmm. like normally on stage when I'm doing the graffiti, I, I bought a foot pedal that like orchestral musicians use to turn their sheet music like while oh. they're playing. And I'm using it to like- I never realized there was a thing that did that, but that yeah. makes sense. It, it like hooks up to their iPad. So they press, there, there's like two little pedals and they can go back and forth on the pages. Whereas like I use it for graffiti slides and like, again, dick yeah. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like there, I have done this show alone a couple times and I can make it work, but like it makes me nervous to not have someone behind the board in case yeah. something goes wrong. So Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. That totally makes sense. How do you feel about this show versus your first show at Edinburgh? Um, I'm like prouder of this new show. And I think everyone feels that way about their newer projects. Um, my first show was like my story. Um, and I was really proud of that show, but if I didn't like the audience one day, I, it would be really hard for me to get to the point where I like get vulnerable with them because I was like, I don't want to fucking tell you about like the most vulnerable parts of me. No, thank you. Whereas this show I'm sort of playing a character in a way. And so it like, it was so much more fun. If I didn't like the audience, I was like, I'm having fun up here. So like, fuck you guys. Yeah. It's like easier to let people in. Exactly. And in general, the audiences were more fun. Um, But yeah, I still want to bring my old show back because I didn't really do anything with it after Edinburgh. I was, um, I was supposed to film it at 54 below and then the pandemic happened. Mm, So I like recorded the the album of it um, in studio over the pandemic as well as like this show I recorded the studio album and I released this most recent show um, like two days ago, the album. And I want to- That's incredible. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I want to record a live version as well. But like my old show, I'm like sitting on the on the studio album. I never released it. I have the tracks. I like don't know what to do with it. So oh my gosh, I release it! Point, I know at some point I'll I will revive it. I'll I'll do like one or two live shows. I'll film it and then I'll release the studio album and the live album. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, that'll be great. And are you yeah. planning to go back to Fringe next year too? I assume. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, it's funny, like you ask most people at the beginning of Fringe and they're like, I'm never doing this again. And then by the end of Fringe, people are like, I love it so much. I'm, I'll be back next year. Yeah, um, it's like your relationship with New York. It's like, just abusive, but you just yes. love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'll be back next year. I think I'm going to bring um, a duo show with my writing partner, AJ. Um, oh, so fun. It's, it's more fun to do something with someone else sometimes. And uh, he and I have enough material right now where we're like, we run a, um, a variety show together where we do a song in between every performer that we're doing in, in LA on Monday. And um, we have enough material from that now where we're like, we could string together a show. I like want it to be a bit more conceptual, but it'll be fun to do whatever with him. So we'll probably bring that um, next year to Fringe. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. What, uh, so do you, I sincerely don't know this. I mean, some questions I'm asking you just so everybody knows, but yeah, do you, pursue writing outside of performing yeah i do um i've written some like pilots and scripts and stuff and then i've also helped like punch up um scripts and um aj and i have worked on some concepts together um i want to get more into it though like i feel like it's something that i'm really good at and haven't like flexed that muscle in the way that i want to um And it's such like a competitive world, but I think, I don't know, I think it's really fun 
I think when you're sort of just told like, hey, sit down, write some jokes, like I can't do that. Like I'll stare at a blank page forever. But if you give me like any kind of parameters, like I love just like coming up with tag, 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 and like um, bouncing ideas off other people. And um, I think writing is the most fun when it's collaborative. So I'm like, I like doing that with HR. It's funny to hear you say that uh, it's so competitive having literally gone to Oxford and <laughs> been on your way to a PhD. Like, uh, I don't know, writing a script is so competitive, which it is competitive, but it's like, yeah. you, you've already competed in such this, in this other arena at yeah. such a high level. Yeah. It's funny, um, like the writing skills that you have to learn in that world, like really do lend itself to writing and comedy as well. Um, Just because like you have to, any kind of writing where you are given like parameters and you have to write in a very specific Mm -hmm. way to please a specific kind of audience, I think lends itself to like doing that in another realm. So, well, I think also if you, I think everything can feed into everything else. Like if, if you are open to picking up the lessons Mm -hmm. from something like, totally for example when twitter started and it was there was very limited characters it's like Mm -hmm. everyone had to learn how to write really uh short and short jokes short and concise jokes and it was it's also like i've learned so much from second city or even not to sound silly whatever you'll get this like when I played band or played band, it's been a while when I was in, in band in middle school and like I grew up playing piano. It's like that, like the rhythm of music helps you, I think, with the rhythm of joke writing and I totally putting a show agree. together. Yes. There is a musicality to it because it's like some words just don't. It's like how some numbers sound funny inherently. It's like yes. if you were like. Oh, I um, have 37 chickens. Somehow that's funnier than saying I have 35 chickens. I, like, yes. I, you know, I don't listen. I don't know that I'm making a good example, but you know what I mean? No, like something that's about a good example. It just is like funnier. the rhythm of some. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's the extra syllable. I, I don't know. I think maybe that it's not a multiple of any number as well. It's like a, it's an unexpected number and there's mm-hmm. something surprising about that. But yeah, I think about that a lot with, um, especially because I do musical comedy of like the rhythm of music and the structure of songs. Like you have to kind of break them to make the jokes land sometimes. Like if the audience is expecting a rhyme, they're already expecting the joke. So you have to not rhyme there or you have to think of an unexpected rhyme or, um, you know, choruses often repeat themselves, but you have to like come up with new jokes every chorus. Otherwise the audience has already heard it before. You know, there's like, there's a lot of um, rules that you just have to break in order to make things funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's all of comedy. We're just out here breaking rules, guys. Yeah, (laughs) That's what this this is all about. (laughs) What, when you did your first open mic, did you do that with a guitar? Yeah, I did. Um, I did this song called Signs of a Douchebag. <laughs> Hold on one second, Sean. The the ironing board is like connected to your chair right now. <laughs> Hi, Sean. <laughs> I, uh, that's, uh, that's really fun. God, that seems like it would be so much more terrifying because it's, it it's like scary. there's two different things you can fuck up instead of one. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so you're like, I was like, also tap dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Truly, like, there is sometimes I'll still get on. Like, my stage fright is mostly gone now. But sometimes I'll get on, I'll be ready to get on stage and I'll be like, do I remember the words to my own song? Or, like, what are these chords? And then you get on stage and, like, the muscle memory kicks in. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's super, super wild. Yeah, I did, my first up in mic, I did a song called Signs of a Douchebag. And that was just a song that I wrote for a friend who was like, I don't know why I keep dating these guys. And I was like, I'm going to write down all of the red flags um, and turn it into a song for you. Um, You're like, it's going to be a 14 minute song because there's been a lot of red flags, girl. There's a lot. You're like, I'm basically um, a jam band now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone can jam in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then for a while in New York, I was like, when I was, um, I think probably right before Edinburgh, when I was like still figuring out that I didn't have to fit into some kind of box, mm-hmm. I like need, I also needed to prove to myself that I could be funny without the instruments. So I like mm-hmm. did a bunch of shows and I started going back to open mics and leaving the guitar at home just to like try being a pure mm-hmm. stand up. And then I like proved to myself I could do it. And then I was like, why am I cutting off my arms though? Like, this is like, I I can do this, but like, this isn't my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is to write funny songs. And so then I was just like, okay, I proved it. And now I don't need to do this anymore. Do you think it's more, I mean, I would imagine it's a lot more frustrating doing stuff with the guitar. Well, because one, you got to drag it around. But two, I feel like it's more, got to just be harder to get spots on shows or like at clubs, you know, and then yeah. when you do get a spot on a show, I know uh, nine and a half times out of 10, they're like, oh, well, you're musical, we're going to put you very last. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I will say, in the UK, I feel like there are less hurdles, like there are more, there's less um, bias against it, I think. But yeah. in the US, I do feel like I have to get on stage and tell a lot of like self deprecating jokes about having a guitar with me and being a woman and everything before they're like, okay, we trust you. You have to, you have to <laughs> do a written apology first. Yes, I'm sorry for being a woman. I'm sorry for, for the first guitar. eight minutes. And then they're, <laughs> yeah. you're like, two minutes of jokes. <laughs> yes. My God. Um, but yeah, it's funny, like the comment that I probably get the most often after my shows is I usually don't like musical comedy, but you were really Uh, funny. (laughs) It's also, if anybody's listening, it's never really a compliment to be like, I never like what you do, but this time I did. Like so many people feel like it's necessary to come up and be like, I don't really like female comedians, but I like you. And I'm like, that's not, you're talking about all of my friends. Yeah. Uh, you're also telling me that you initially hated me before I even came, started talking. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. you sound like an asshole. It, yeah. None of this is, you don't sound like a hero, my guy. No. I, I no. don't know what you're doing right now. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very funny. Cause it's like, I, I get it in some, not the, the female comedian thing, but like the musical comedy thing. I get it. Cause a lot of it is bad. A lot of musical oh, comedy so is bad. there's so much that is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, there's so much amazing musical comedy. And so it's just, like, I'm, like, cool. All right. Well, then you – I guess you haven't heard of, like, Bo Burnham and Tim Minchin and, like, Fly the Concords and Tenacious D. And, like, I could go on, you know? Yeah. So – Let's not forget the Hanukkah song. That's the only one I remember of Adam Sandler's. Um, (laughs) Such a great song. (laughs) We were – you mentioned clowning earlier. Have you done, like, straight-up clowning or have you trained for that? 
No, um, a lot of my friends have though. A lot of my friends went to Gallier, um, which is the con school in France. Um, and when I wrote this show, I was doing the residency at the theater in Georgia and my old director, Chase Brantley, who's amazing, he went to the con school in France. So like um, during the residency, <clears throat> He was playing all these games with me that made me so uncomfortable. I hated them so this much. Is, this is so scary. I just, I didn't yeah. breathe for a minute when you were, <laughs> this, which means I should probably do some version of that or not. I should just Yeah, because it it's, it's again, it's something that scares me. It's like you go mm -hmm. up on stage, you don't have any material, don't have any jokes, and you're just like playing with if you, the audience. If you go to clown school, I'll go to clown school. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. If anybody wants um, to sponsor us, it's very expensive. <laughs> it's very expensive. Uh, but it's a lot of cool people have come out of it. And like yeah. a lot of the sort of Stamptown was my producers for this fringe. And like a lot of them have gone to the con school or are clowns. And like, it's, it's a really cool art form. It's a really cool part of, of comedy that a lot of people don't know about. And like, it sort of breaks all these barriers in this way that I find really interesting. Um, which is funny because I feel like I shit on improv a lot. <laughs> I mean, we all do. Um, yeah, we all do. And good. I did improv for a decade. Yes. And good improv is so good. And like clowning is not that much different from improv. Other than somehow with clowning, like the audience is your improvisation partner. Whereas like with improv, you're sort of just like playing with each other in front of people. Yeah. And with clowning, you're like, um, there's this clown uh, and comedian. She's lovely. Uh, Natalie Palamides. Um, she she's so fucking great and she has this one bit in her netflix special called nate which is a great show where she has been talking about her best friend lucas and then at some point in the show she's just like hey lucas and she'll shout hey lucas until someone from the audience decides that they are lucas and she'll just stand there and wait for someone to just like decide to participate and like that is pure clown of just being like all right who's got something you know that's wild. It's insane to watch because I saw I not to digress into just Natalie, but I did see her show <laughs> laid. Uh, yeah, which if anyone can catch that, oh, so it's really cool. But she does a bunch of audience participation in that, mm -hmm. and I it's so much higher stakes. And like I know there's a lot of people that do like you know a lot of crowd work. Yeah, and it's not but that. the crowd work is like, look at this guy. Have you ever seen someone so Puerto Rican? Like yeah. he's so Puerto Rican, he's gonna steal my jokes. Like it's like, oh my God. you know, yes. it's, it's not all, that. And it's like, I mean, good for you, but it's like it's so much more complex than that because you have to yeah. get people to also buy into whatever buy into you're saying. World. And they're yeah. so sucked into it. They're like. Yeah. You're just like transfixed by this person. And then also watching that, here's why I want to take a clown class, uh, yeah. Caitlin, for the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, this is how cult leaders operate, like to a degree. Because yes. it's like, there's so much charm and they suck you in and they make yeah. you, they bring you into their reality, even when they're, I am buying a ticket to see Natalie. And yeah. I know that her, she has a made-up reality. This is yeah. a carefully crafted made-up reality. It's yeah. completely phony. Phony is not the right word because that sounds negative, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's completely made up. It's on this, it's pre being presented to us. Yeah. But then, you know, by the halfway point in the show, I'm like, this is real. The stakes are yes. high. Yeah. We are in danger. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's even wild. knowing that. I know. It's very, it's very cool. Um, 
it like inspired she and I was telling her this at the end of Fringe. Um, she and um, a lot of the clown stuff has inspired my my last show so much. Where I start off, there's a toilet on stage in my show because I it's at set in a dive bar bathroom, and yeah. I start off like pee. It's a pee sound, but I start off like peeing, and then I like realize there's no toilet paper, and the first line of the show is me just being like, "Fuck, does anyone have any toilet paper?" And I just wait for someone to bring me this something. This is hilarious. <laughs> it's wild. What, like, you, what are people bringing you for these? Um, sometimes I'll like riff with them a little bit because they don't know that they're supposed to. But I did, you know, what, 26, 27 shows in Edinburgh. Like there was not a single show that people didn't bring me something. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Some people re- really had toilet paper in their backpacks, which was very funny to me. Oh, because um, they're stealing most- it. Because we're yes. all broke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, some people brought me tissues. Um, sometimes people gave me flyers, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> they just have a stack um, of them and they're they're like, well, I guess I'll give you this one. And you're like, oh, you, you don't even want to see this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that was like a very, and then I sort of like have the audience world build with me about like who's the regulars at the bar outside of the bathroom. Um but it's like, it's very fun to create a world with different people every night, you know? Like, that's what clowning is all about, is like mm-hmm. world building together and having the audience buy into to what you're doing. It's interesting, too, to see what different... It, to, to watch in real time how groupthink works mm-hmm. and to also see how different people interpret what you're saying and what they think you need or what all of this means. It's just... I mean, it, back to improv, which everyone hates. <laughs> I love it. It's fun. But then there's something when when stand up is bad, you can usually extrapolate like, oh, this is what they were going for. And when improv yeah. is bad, you're like, these people should leave the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's like a funny phenomenon. Did you do improv? Um, a little bit. But a like, bit? I probably should have done more in Chicago of all places. But I just yeah. I yeah. There is this really funny phenomenon, uh, which maybe you're, oh, you know of, where when you ask the audience for a household item, almost 10 times out of 10, almost 10 times out of 10, someone will say spatula. And I'm like, why is it always, it's like a running joke. When we did it at Second City, we'd be like, count the number of 10. And it was almost every single show, we'd That's get spatula. So and it would be like the loudest person there. And it's like, what? what? Why is this everyone's, do you own nothing else? What does your home look like? Do you have a vacuum? Like, are you, do you just cook? (laughs) I mean, spatula is a funny word, I guess. I don't know. It's like that thing where people are like, okay, think of a vegetable and think of a number. And like, it's always like carrot and five or something like that. I don't know what our like fruit mind is, but it's weird. Yeah, it is funny. I wonder if that's some kind of like litmus test if you can think on your own or if you're just used to being fed the same information. I don't yeah. know. Listen, this is getting really know. psychological. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have the answers <laughs> no, to any I don't of this. Either. The only so kind for- of improv that I that I did that like I, I still kind of do because it scares me is a musical improv. Um, like almost every show that me and AJ do together, we'll talk to the audience and like create a song together based on that audience member. Caitlin, that's terrifying. I, I so had scary. to do it for a semester at Second City and I was like, I cannot wait till this is over. It's so <laughs> scary because your entire brain is like, what is the next rhyme? And like, how? Like, oh my God, it's just, it's so scary. 
but yeah and it's like all of a sudden you just don't I'm always afraid I'm just gonna forget the entire English language (laughs) (laughs) you know yep 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 that's how I feel too it's like do I even know how to speak Right. Yeah, because it's almost it like many years. <laughs> it's like right next door to freestyle rapping, yes. where it's like you're going and you're just up there and you you have to go along with the rhythm. It's not like you can yeah. pause, like in a joke. If you don't think of a word, you can pause and pretend it's for dramatic effect. But like in the yes. middle of a song, they're like, no, no, <laughs> continue. It's wild. Some people are <laughs> so good at it, and it baffles me. Like um, Chris Turner, who's a regular at the Comedy Cellar mm-hmm. and is um was also at Fringe. And like a band to man and AJ's really good at it too. And like, I'm just, sometimes my mind just goes completely blank. You got to spend more time on Rhyme Zone. <laughs> yes, Online. Rhyme Zone is my best friend. <laughs> when I, one day I was like looking something up for a packet and I typed in like, what rhymes with whatever. And I didn't know of Rhyme Zone and that came up this website, everyone. It's crazy. I'm like, who's doing this? Who put oh this online? God. I don't understand. I know. It is, like, whoever did it is my hero. <laughs> absolutely. A hundred percent. So do you think when you go back to Edinburgh next year, are you going to do more kind of clowning type stuff? I don't know. I think I got to sit down with AJ and see what we'll be doing. But I know that we'll be doing our, our variety show that's called Fake Birthday um, probably most weekends at mm-hmm. uh, Edinburgh. Um, and there i would like to do more more clown stuff just because it's scary and it's fun and like yeah i want to explore it more would you ever do clown school um if someone would pay for it <laughs> i know i was gonna say prices aside because as, yeah. as soon as you told me natalie went there i was like if you told me natalie drank baby's blood and that's where she got her success i'd be like <laughs> yes i mean not that i want i don't i truly don't think i'm capable of doing what after seeing late, I'm like, I don't, my brain would never come up with, if I could come up with something like that, it would be a 10 year project. It wouldn't be 10 months, you know, um, (laughs) or whatever the fuck. But then I was like, I should go to clown school. And then I looked it up and I was like, no, I shouldn't. (laughs) I should continue to live. (laughs) You should take a clown class. They, cause they're cropping up in LA and New York now. Um, Mm -hmm. Dr. Brown, Natalie's director runs some clown classes. Oh yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm very excited to see you next year at Fringe. Now Yay. that I, I have to keep telling people that I'm doing it so that I don't back out. Yes. So that I actually yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, that's the funny thing about Fringe is like the process to actually do it takes so long. Um, just in terms of like when you have to sign up and then you have to pay these fees mm-hmm. and then you have to find housing. And like every step of the way you have to keep being like, all right, I'm buying it. I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, but then you get there and you do it and it's amazing. So. Yeah, it yeah. is uh, a big financial haul, but it's also like, yes. whatever, it's a fucking month of your life and it's going to be incredible. And uh, exactly. Yeah, I always yeah. come out feeling like, oh, cool. I'm a much better performer than I was at the beginning of the month because you have to do your own hour every fucking day. Plus yeah. late night spots, plus just like watching other people's shows. That's my favorite part of Fringe, honestly, is watching other people's shows and being like, yeah, whoa. It's so fucking cool to see like Mm -hmm. what everybody, because also in the UK, it's, it's always been funny to me because people here in the US are like, wow, this comic, so-and-so, they like will really revere somebody for doing an hour a year. Yeah. I'm not naming names. You guys figure it out. And (laughs) it's like, yeah, guys, there's 
2,000 comedians in the UK that do a new year every year or new a new year, a new hour every year. And they yeah. don't even film it. They don't even try yeah. to sell it to Netflix. They just do it. They just do it. To get work. Yeah. And it's then, wild. And then they're like, anyway, yeah. I'm going to throw that away. Like, what? it's so funny the number of people I'm like oh did you film it I'd love to see it and they're like why would I why would I film it I'm like (laughs) for the glory for what are you talking about you didn't it's so wild they like they build a new hour every year they tour that hour Mm -hmm. and then they just like throw it away unless there's like interest from the industry in filming it and then they build another one it's wild it's baffling it's so crazy I I can't believe it they're sick they're not well yeah (laughs) <laughs> They're not right in their heads. Um, well, what are you working on now that you're really excited about? Ooh, um, mostly I'm excited about sleeping. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I know I you released, just got back in like 48 hours ago. No, so I released the studio album of my Edinburgh show. Um, and I'm working on figuring out like how to film the show and, and record a live version of it. And then also I have, I'm doing an album recording with Helium um in mid-october um but it's just an album so i can't do any of the stuff in the show because it's all visual (laughs) so i gotta Uh, figure out what is going on this new album that like i haven't recorded before or i can record in a different way that's what's cool about songs is like with comedy it's like okay you recorded that you can't do it again with songs it's like i could do it again with like a different band or a different arrangement or something so i'm trying to figure out like what new stuff is going to go on this album and what old stuff i want to revive and like shake the dust off of so that's what I i'm love excited that. about yeah it's exciting it's like doing a big complicated puzzle yes that's fine <laughs> we love that we love a complicated yeah, puzzle <laughs> absolutely uh i do have one last question for you yeah. um i like to ask everyone if your mm-hmm. childhood self like 10 year old caitlin could meet you as an adult what do you think she would think of you she would think i was really fucking cool <laughs> i love I that like, good i was such a nerdy shy kid and like i think my younger self looking at me now being like you live in new york and like perform on stage and like hang out with all these cool people and like i think i would just be completely baffled and and think i was super cool i love that uh, i think yeah. she would too i mean why not of course she would yeah. <laughs> i feel like any any kid meeting their future self would be like oh fuck yeah i can have cake for breakfast <laughs> just <Right>? like <laughs> you're an adult that's so cool (laughs) yeah and it's like well no technically but then you feel like you're dying so (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) so don't do that anyway but maybe um, sometimes i love it well thank you so much for being on it's great talking to you oh my god you too thanks for having me so much for listening once again that was caitlin cook you can find her on instagram at the caitlin cook and on tiktok and hey it's caitlin cook and that's caitlin with a c-a-i-t-l-i-n and make sure to check out her album the writing on the stall i've seen bits of it performed and it is absolutely hilarious and of course i am lisa curry you can find me on instagram and most other places at olympian lisa curry i've got a lot of cool travel coming up so check that out and other than that we'll see you right back here next thursday bye